I'm Jamie Kudla, president of Terry Tech Computer Consultants. Thank you for joining me for my podcast, Better, Faster, Stronger, where we help move New York Metro businesses forward with tips on motivation, leadership, management, and innovation. Joining us this week is Dr. Sunny Lampasso. She is the founder and CEO of Shaping Success in Scarsdale, New York. Thanks for joining us, Sunny. How are you? I'm good, Jamie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, th this should be fun. Uh, really excited to be speaking with you. Um, and obviously, we're going to learn about who you are and what you do. But I think that you're going to bring a great perspective uh, with your background and your training and your expertise. So we're really excited to, uh, to dig into this. Uh, so maybe a good place to start is tell me a little bit about yourself and who you are and, and some of your background and training and that sort of thing. I think that'd be a good place to, to frame the conversation. Okay, well, I am a clinical psychologist and now executive coach and consulting psychologist. I am pretty much was raised in Westchester in New Rochelle, and my business is located in Scarsdale, but I am a longtime reg, uh, Westchester resident and, you know, left for a brief period to go to grad school, but have been back for over 10 years. So I'm a real, I'm a real New Yorker and- uh, yes, I'm a local. <laughs> it's opposed to me. I'm from Western New York. Um, well, actually, I'm a local now. I'm from Western New York. I won't give you my age, but I was. I spent maybe the first 20 years, you know, on that side of the state. So now I'm more from Westchester than I am from from Buffalo. So, but I still have Buffalo roots. Okay, Buffalo is great. Where'd you go to grad school? I went to the California School of Professional Psychology out in San Diego. Oh, nice. And how long were you out there for? About 10 years. I stayed there a little bit after graduating and then came back because I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> How long was the uh, program out west? Uh, the program in total, it was a doctorate and master's combined. So it was about seven years. And then obviously you spent the, the next three years after that working out there? Yes. So I worked out there for a bit, and but always had the goal of returning to New York. So finally did that. And, you know, I think throughout my career, I've worked with a variety of different populations from children, adolescents, adults, older adults, families. I really worked with a variety of populations and for different types of organizations, as well as for myself in private practice, which I've been doing for about nine years now. So what was your, the motivation, you know, to, to pursue that, that career? Because it, you know, obviously you've done a lot and it sounds like you've, you've changed you know what you're actually delivering on i guess that the service is similar but the the medium in which you're doing it is has changed over the years so when you were first you know um getting involved in this what was your motivation what were you looking to do what was the, the spark what was the interest in it the well i think the interest in psychology i have always had an interest in helping people one of my first jobs was as a lifeguard so <laughs> that was helping people in a bit of a different way i'm, I'm also a swimmer so <laughs> but um, really, I've always had a desire to help people. And when I was first introduced to psychology in high school, I really loved it. And from there, just wanted to help people, you know, through psychology. So I kind of knew right then that this is what I wanted to do. And really helping people I've been doing over my career, again, in different ways, different types of organizations, different populations, and really moving into executive coaching has been an extension of what I've what I've done. Sort of yeah. helping people in a different way. So when you first started, obviously you went to, you know, you got your undergraduate masters and, and then you got uh, your doctorate. 
when you first started, what was your first role? What were you doing after you graduated? Uh, my first role, I was working for an agency that worked with families and children. So really helping children on the autism spectrum, helping them to, you know, learn things that they were having difficulty learning, helping to train the parents on how or, you know, work together with the parents on how best to help their children, working with the school system. So really working with the entire system that the children were in, including their family, the school, sort of everybody who was involved. So really looking at the system as a whole. Was that a private practice or was it part of a, a municipality or a school district or where did you start it, with that? It was an agency that contracted with various school districts. So it was, you know, I did work within schools and within homes. It was, again, it was really just looking at the whole child's life. So really that system's perspective. Yeah, taking that holistic approach. And you did that while you were in California? Yes, yes. And, and interesting you say that holistic approach because that sort of led me when I moved back to New York um, to take a teaching position at the graduate school at the College of New Rochelle, where I taught a class for many years that I absolutely loved called Holistic Approaches to Stress Management. I got to believe, look, not knowing much about your industry, it's so complex and there's so many factors and, and variables that, that to treat or, or to, you know, uh, um, help coach somebody with knowing just this much of their life would be very difficult. I mean, I would think they would have to be holistic. Otherwise, you would be missing a lot of it. Exactly. I think whenever I'm working with people in any capacity, I have to look at them holistically. At the whole person, you know, operating within a larger system, work, family, you know, all of the relationships. I think you can't just look at the person alone. Yeah, we're complex beings, right? And all of those things play a factor or play a role in who we are and how we respond and our emotional state and all of that stuff. Yes, that's for sure. So then you left California, came back to New York and, and where did you start in New York? Uh, well, I started with this teaching position um, at the College of Nourishell Graduate School. And then I was working for a group practice that was um, contracting with various skilled nursing facilities and assisted living facilities. So working a lot with people who were recovering from illness or managing chronic illness. So working with adults and older adults. And how long were you there for? I was there for about five years mm -hmm. um, and also did some other contracting work as well and worked for um, an agency that supported individuals with developmental disabilities in group homes. And then, like I mentioned, about nine years ago, started my private practice and slowly built that up and moved into doing that full time and working really mainly with adults. So who are your clients? Adults, you say, in your private practice, but who are your clients? Are they in, they're individuals, their families, their, what does that look like? In my private practice, my clients are individuals. So they are adults of all ages. I would say, you know, from college age all the way up. <laughs> Um, so really a variety of ages and um, I work with them individually but also understand them within the system so really take into account other things they have going on a lot of times people are struggling with work issues or you know health issues health slash work issues you know work-life balance is big yeah. um, and navigating different transitions so those are the types of you know people that I work with. 
Have you seen an uptick in clients or demand, you know, as a result of what's going on with COVID? Yes, I definitely think there has been an uptick in demand. And I think that also has to do in part with the, I think the decreased stigma with mental health, mm. you know, that's come as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, you know, I know you don't have the answer to this, but I suspect, and I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on it. I suspect that people are going to, um, you know, have to resolve whatever issues they have going on now resulting from COVID for a long time. I mean, COVID doesn't have, I mean, it had a start, I mean, sometime around March of last year, but it doesn't really have an end, you know? So it's not like, whew, glad that's done. Let's get on with our life. So I suspect that there's going to be a long tail on the end of this. What do you think about that? Yes, I completely agree. I think, you know, we're still currently in the process of adjusting and we haven't, like you said, there isn't an end point. And really figuring out how to manage, I think looks different than it even did six, nine or 12 months ago. So I think it's really a constant process of figuring out how do we deal with now? How do we move forward? How do we you know, navigate all of the stress and change that's happened and is you know, currently still happening? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I love what you've done. So you've taken your career in clinical psychology and the experience of working with agencies in your private practice, and you've started a new organization, mainly uh, Shaping Success, and that is more focused on the, the corporate or the enterprise space, is that right? Yes, it's more focused on working, I'm working with professionals and executives in organizations. Um, so it's really, I look at it as an extension of what I've been doing. It's really just helping people in a different way. So helping people in the business world to benefit from psychology. So when you're taking on clients in this, uh, in your new business, are you working with, I know you're working with individuals, but are you working you know, primarily with an organization that says, hey, listen, we would like to engage your services. We're going to, you know, um, educate our staff on, you know, some of the benefits of working with you and, you know, what uh, Dr. Sunny can help you with. Um, and then they'll contact you or are people finding you, you know, uh, through other methods? Well, I, I think I am doing that. So I am working within organizations. So when an organization may hire me for a coaching engagement or to do some more of what you're saying, a consultation or training on different topics like improving well-being or improving emotional intelligence. Um, but I also do work with small business owners. So they will hire me directly to help them with prioritizing, setting goals, and really being an outside person that helps them with getting, you know, meeting their business needs and overcoming any obstacles that they may be facing. So you're providing a lot of your service through, like you said, coaching programs and that sort of thing. And, yes. you know, whether it's five people or a hundred people, you're putting together a program or a webinar, a series of uh, instructional sessions, you know, where you can talk about strategies or, you know, new ideas or, you know, that, that sort of thing in the, the workspace. Yes, I do. You know, I can create based on the needs of the business or organization. I do create programs. Um, and also a lot of my work is individually. So um, if a person is newly promoted, um, helping them, working one on one with them, sort of establishing a relationship and conducting assessments, gathering a lot of data and then boiling it down to what does this mean? 
what can you do to achieve your business outcomes? That's fantastic. And I got to say that uh, uh, this is unique and, and maybe it does exist. And I'm sure that there's other companies that are doing it. Uh, and I'm sure in a different uh, capacity that you are, but I love the, uh, the marriage of the uh, clinical psychology with the, the workspace, you know, because I think a lot of people think of them and certainly myself, I think of them as, as separate, but like we're saying, this is, you know, holistic analysis of an individual in their situation. And, you know, most of us spend a good part of our day in the workspace. So you can't just, you know, uh, um, analyze one side or work with somebody on, on one side of their life. And, and um, so I love the approach, you know, the, the corporate approach. Yes, I agree. I think they really go hand in hand. Um, you know, so like you said, so much of our time is spent in the workplace and a lot of issues come up at work whether they're interpersonal issues or you know managing stress and demands of the job um there's really so much that happens people also you know maybe not feeling fulfilled or being happy with their work um there's so much that happens at work and i think going into the workplace by me going into the workplace and helping people specifically with these issues it's a way for me to have a broader impact so if I can help one leader or one manager to do things in a different way, to become more self-aware, to you know, be more agile in their leadership style, it can impact the whole organization in terms of the other employees, in terms of productivity. It just has a really broad impact, which really is exciting to me. Yeah, it could have an exponential effect. Exactly. That, that's exciting. You use the term emotional intelligence. Is that a new term? Because I feel like it didn't exist. I mean, I think it always existed, but I certainly never really heard that term, you know, before a couple of years ago. Is that something that you're hearing more and more? Is that, you know, a more common of a theme that people are talking about? Well, I think it's been I think it's been popular for a while. It was originally developed by Daniel Goleman, and you know, I would say it was really starting to be up and coming in in the '90s. But I think now it's become much more commonplace. I think it's a hot topic for businesses. And I think emotional intelligence is an area that many people struggle in and maybe without knowing it or being aware. Yeah. And I think that's an area that, you know, if you can develop that, if you can improve it again, to your point, it can have an exponential positive effect. I mean, even thinking in my own organization to have um, a healthy emotional intelligence in regards to you know working with my team working with clients even from a sales standpoint you know understanding you know where are they what do they need what is the real issue that they're telling me because they don't need a server you know they don't need better internet connection but what's the real issue at heart and i think that that comes from the emotional intelligence so i i love that term and you know i guess it's been around for a while somewhat new to me but i think i've been using it and i certainly understand the the value of it whether or not I, i'm good at it or i have a developed sense of it uh, I love the term and I, I'm certainly aware of it and try and instill that in, in my team as well. Yes. Well, and I think it can be helpful too to assess your emotional intelligence, to, you know, complete an assessment. There are, you know, free tools out there online um, to really find out where you are. Because the thing about emotional intelligence is that it's not, it's a bit different than IQ. With emotional intelligence, we can assess where we are and then develop the skills build our score and you know again that really has an effect on you know how we feel and then also how others feel great that's excellent 
Um, so we're going to shift gears here a little bit. And we're going to get into the format of the uh, podcast, which we know is better, faster, stronger. So I'm going to ask you, I gave you, you know, a, a prep sheet, a questionnaire in regards to preparing some answers in regards to what's made you better, what's made you faster and stronger. So if you could share something that will start with better, you know, share something that's made either you better, your clients better, or, you know, maybe some of the organizations that you've worked with because you have, you know, a pretty extensive career and a lot of experience. I'm curious to see what have you done? What have you learned that would make uh, the people that are, are listening on our podcast that they can apply to their own lives to make them better? Okay, well, that's, I think, an easy question for me and ties into what we were just talking about, the emotional intelligence. So I think something that has really helped me personally has also helped my clients and helps organizations is improving emotional intelligence. It's really a way to um, be better communicators, be able to manage our own emotions and stress in a better way. So um, really looking at your emotional intelligence, find out where you are. If you don't know where you are, find out where you are. And then, you know, again, there's tons of tools out there, um, tons of books and resources on improving emotional intelligence. And I work with people a lot to, you know, help them, for example, for example a leader may have difficulty providing feedback to employees and, you know, working on, okay, well, what's going on here for you? You know, emotional intelligence can be thought of as having four different components, and that's self-management, self-awareness, social awareness, and relationship management. And so looking at all of those things are coming into play when a leader is providing feedback. So where are they? Where can they build skills? You know, what can they practice? And really just, again, looking at where are areas for development and emotional intelligence is a surefire way to make companies and you know people to make us better. So if it was a new engagement and you're working with an individual or a company in regards to emotional intelligence, do you identify like a specific area and focus on the emotional intelligence around there? Or do you kind of zoom out and just say, okay, let, let me get an assessment of emotional intelligence at a, you know, a, a high level. Um, and I, I know that you could probably talk about this for the next, you know, 10 hours, right? So I know that I'm going to ask you to you know, be a little bit brief here, but, you know, I guess how you, you made mention of some, you know, some tests or, or some, you know, resources out there that maybe people could tune into. I guess where's a good place to, to start? What are some of the questions that you would ask? Mm -hmm. Well, I really always start with an emotional intelligence assessment called the EQI 2.0, because that gives a real breakdown of the components and subcomponents. So we can really look at the person's scores and see where there are specific maybe gaps or areas that they may be they may benefit from developing and you know i think sometimes depending on the situation too especially if i'm working within an organization i'm also gathering information and data from other people in the organization so i want to find out how are the other people experiencing this person you know through interview or assessment and i'm basically you know gathering a variety of data and then again boiling it down into okay we've got a lot of stuff here we've got a lot of information what does it mean and what can i do with it you know what i find interesting in your space that you use the you know uh, psychology with data because from an outsider's perspective, I wouldn't think I wouldn't think that there would be a relation, you know, that you could get 
you know, data implies that it's analytical, that it's factual, that it's you know tangible, measurable, that kind of thing. And, and so I guess give me an example of a type of question or you know kind of data that you would ask or, or collect in, in order to measure somebody's emotional intelligence. Okay. Well, and I think maybe the data that I'm talking about is slightly different in the fact that it is more qualitative. So I'm really, you know, asking questions, informational. It's the engineer, it's the engineer in me. I'm wired one way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I get it. <laughs> um, so, but really the data that I'm gathering is I'm looking for um, things that, that themes things that go together. So if I'm asking, if I'm working with a leader and I'm asking someone else in the organization, what are two things that make this person a great leader? For example, I'm looking for, okay, what is the overlap? What is the overlap between how this person sees themselves? Are there any discrepancies? Um, so, and comparing people in the organization and also comparing that with their results. So the result, these assessments are self-reports. So it's how do you view yourself? Yeah, and, and then comparing it against gap, the norm. Right, if there's a gap between the way that you're perceiving yourself as uh, well as the feedback that you're getting from others who work with you, if there's a gap, then there could be a problem or something that you have to close the gap. I, I don't wanna say problem, but something you gotta close the gap on. Right, right, that could be a potential area for development, right? right. And, and I think if we're looking at their scores on assessments, we're looking at their emotional intelligence in comparison to the general population. So where where do they fall and where could they build skills? Fantastic, thank you. So just to summarize that again, it was a, this is an online test, like a questionnaire, it's called EQI 2.0? Yes, I'm certified in this assessment. They You do take it online. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. And then it really, it generates a report to really show where you fall on a variety of different scales to, you know, see where, again, where, where are their strengths? I think that's also, some, also something that it points out. Um, so what are you doing really well at? Uh, you know, where are you in terms of like, if your stress tolerance is really high, that's great. Let's capitalize on that. And how can we use that to, you know, deal with other situations? Fantastic, thank you. Um, so moving on to the next question, what have you done or in working with your clients or organizations that have made them faster? Okay. Well, I think really the best way for clients or you know companies, businesses to be faster is really by engaging in executive coaching. So again, that can that often involves the emotional intelligence piece and looking at that and developing that but really having an outside person, a trusted advisor who's objective to help you with prioritizing, figuring out what are the priorities for your business. Also, you know, ordering, you know, putting them in order and then, you know, creating actionable steps. So I really partnered with people through this process to really form a relationship with them. Again, I'm not part of their business. I'm really an outside right perspective, which can be really helpful. I think oftentimes that can help with decisions being made more quickly and more efficiently. And it ends up saving, I think, time and resources too, if someone's improving their emotional intelligence and again, having that impact on the entire organization. That's so important. And I can even think, you know, in my own organization, and I'm certain that's something that we could benefit from, you know, in regards to executive training. So it's got to be 
not only with the individual themselves, but I got to believe, you know, cross team, you know, training teams to work better, have open, honest conversations about, you know, what's important, what are we working on, how can we work together, what do I need from you, um, you know, where are there any efficiencies that we can work on? Are all of these things that you touch on in regards to your executive training? Yes, exactly. I think all of those things combined really, again, we're looking at the whole system. How can we make the system better? How can this person develop and grow? So I think really at an individual and a systems level, we're looking at facilitating growth. So where do you get that that framework? You know, obviously you were, you were trained in this, but is there like, you know, if you're going to be doing executive coaching, is there a, like a, um, a widely accepted framework or guideline in, in which you work or how does something like that, what does that look like? Okay, well, I think that's a good question because I do think different coaches have different perspectives. I think really the two frameworks that I that really appeal to me and have been helpful for me personally are, you know, the emotional intelligence framework. So looking at people from that perspective, where can they grow in terms of self-awareness, um, managing their own emotions, uh, their awareness of others, and managing those relationships. So that's really part of my framework that I use to really understand people and to help them to grow. And the other piece that I really draw from is positive psychology. And I'm a big fan of positive psychology. And that was something I mentioned earlier with identifying strengths. I'm really helping people. I'm not only helping them to identify areas for development. Positive psychology looks at, okay, what are your unique strengths? What are you doing well? What do you enjoy doing? What do you care about? What gives you energy? So I think that's really part of this process too, because I think for all of us, we don't focus on strengths enough. I would agree. And, and just you know, to your point, this positive psychology, if you could frame your day, and look, I, I don't know is that there's the ideal job, the ideal role, the perfect position you know, that's going to hit on all of those things. But if you can focus on those things and bring you the things that you really enjoy doing. And if you could somehow have, you know, a good portion of your day or, you know, the responsibilities that you're going to take on in this management role, if you could focus on those things that you're really good at, I mean, that's gonna change everything within the organization, within your your your, your mental state um, and the things that we're talking about, make you better, make you faster, make you stronger, um, which are somewhat intangibles. But, you know, in general, if you're doing things that you like, you're fully engaged. I mean, your whole mental state is, is elevated. It's better. Completely, completely. And I think that's what it's about. It's figuring out, like you said, how to do more of what you're good at, what you like. And I think even on the flip side of that, you know, I think sometimes for people that's hard to identify with mm -hmm. work, you know, depending on the person and the position. And I think really helping them to identify, okay, what, things went well today, right? Yeah. What did you enjoy doing? Because again, we tend to focus as humans on what we didn't do well on. Yeah, yeah, oh, without question. And you know, it doesn't, those those seem like simple questions, but nobody takes the time to ask those questions, you know? Uh, just a couple questions at the end of the day, you know, could probably uh, uh, create that self-awareness and, and focus you on this positive psychology, you know, get you thinking that way, moving in that direction. Yes, I agree. And, you know, another part of the po of positive psychology is values. So what matters to you? Because I think that's really important in terms of where do you want to go? Where do you want to grow? 
what matters to you, really getting in touch with your values, because I think a lot of times people don't do that. They're doing a job and they're just doing a job. They're not really focusing on what's most meaningful to them. What are the, again, what are the things that they care about the most and give them the most energy? So that's often part of what I'm looking at too, is really doing a values assessment of what are this person's values? What matters to them? You know, is, is this a good fit what they're doing? Some of the uh, the characteristics that I've uh, read about or learned about in regards to uh, millennial population is that they really focus on, on values. And I know certainly like when they're working with a, an organization or considering taking a role in an organization, do their values align with what the values of the organization are? So, you know, that that's very important to them, you know, sometimes more than the actual uh, um role itself or you know the pay or the location you know does it align with what my values are so i think that's kind of interesting because if you were to ask an organization what are their values i wonder if most organizations could give you an answer right i i think that's a really good point and i do think that you're right people are more in touch with their values and want to do work and work in organizations that align with their values and i think you know we see that with companies where they're values based and i think you know it's easier for them to have more supporters when their values align with the customer's values it completely changes the business relationship in a positive way yeah and then you're really operating in this zone of excellence and when you're really engaged and everything is is uh, um, positive and, and you know it's resonating with who you are I mean we've all been in that situation when when you're firing on all cylinders think of all the greatness that comes out of that you know all the great ideas all the things that you can accomplish you know not only for yourself but for the organization so that's that's a really interesting uh, perspective yes it's very it's very motivating like you've experienced yeah, right. it great, right great. When we're passionate about what we're doing we do it fully like you said we're more mindful we're more engaged and we enjoy it Fantastic. Uh, let's move on to the, the last question here. What have you done or, you know, the uh, individuals that you've worked with or companies that have made them stronger, more resilient, uh, that sort of thing? If you could share your, your thoughts with our listeners. Sure. Well, I'm really a proponent of resilience. You mentioned, you know, what can you do to be more resilient? And I think for businesses, it's more important than ever to cultivate a culture of resilience. So really supporting employees, leaders um, on building resilience skills, you know, our ability to bounce back from stress, which is, you know, the definition of resilience is, I think right now more important than it ever has been, right? Given what we've dealt with with the pandemic. And by, you know, increasing resilience in our employees and our organization, supporting each other, connecting with each other, you know, valuing the skills that build resilience, for example, mindfulness or taking breaks. I mean, there's so many things we can do. And I do work with organizations to help them really build that culture, because if we're more resilient, we are less likely to get sick. Yeah. We are less likely to burn out. We're less likely to quit. We're, you know, there are so many benefits. And I think really the more resilient we are, also means the more happy we are. And again, there's the positive psychology piece. If we have an increased sense of well-being, you know, this ties into the resilience, we are going to be stronger. The organization's going to be stronger and the people within the organization are going to be stronger and will be more connected. 
So when you're talking about the resilience, are there things that you can do, maybe a couple tips that you could do, you know, in regards to helping yourself become more resilient or, you know, in regards to helping other people in your organization, you know, give us a couple ideas or thoughts that, um, that you could do to help make others more resilient. Well, I think one thing would be to make your, to increase your own resilience would be to work on self-compassion. So really to focus on being kind to yourself, you know, talking to yourself as if you were talking to a friend. So, you know, I think if a friend makes a mistake, what you might say to that friend would be different than when you make a mistake. Like we're all, we all have that inner, all have that inner voice, that inner chatter, right? And it's not always kind. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. We all tend to be really hard on ourselves and our toughest critics. And if we can work on being kind to ourselves when we make mistakes, you know, instead of beating ourselves up, looking at it as a learning experience or an opportunity to grow, that's something we can do to, you know, build resilience. And I think mindfulness is another skill that we can work on learning you know to be more fully present and you know can help us to build resilience through increasing our ability to tolerate stress how about in others you know if you were going to help somebody else be more resilient in well i think it would be you know those same things and i think also too with work in respect to the workspace i think really establishing boundaries between work and not work which i think that's been a little bit blurred with the pandemic and people working yeah. from home but that's a big one too because we have to be able to have breaks i think many people are finding themselves working more or it's just there isn't that separation and really creating that it's really important to have to work on those boundaries so you know you can be able to tolerate more stress and bounce back Great, great. That's a great input. Thank you for sharing that. So one last question that I like to ask to, to wrap up our podcast here is if you could go back to yourself, knowing everything that you've learned and everything that you know now, and you could go back to yourself in the beginning of your career and share a piece of information that you didn't have back then, what would that piece of information be? I would say that piece of information would be, you know, follow the path, just keep going. You know, you don't know where it's going to lead but it's going to lead to great places. Excellent, excellent. That's sage advice. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. So thank you for joining me on my podcast, Better, Faster, Stronger. Be sure to check out our other podcasts at www.bfsmetro. And thanks again for joining us, Sunny. Have a great day. Thank you, Jamie. You too.